If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 23. Very familiar passage. Most of you could probably quote it by memory. Um, Psalm 23, we're going to look at the first three verses, and I'm going to be preaching to you this morning on this subject, safe in the shepherd's arms. Safe in the shepherd's arms. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you so much uh, for the song that we just sang. Uh, Lord, you know as I was driving up here this morning, Lord, my heart was just filled up with your goodness. It was filled up with your grace. Lord, I was just undone as I began to think about how you have blessed me and how you have rescued me and saved me and transformed me and changed me. God, I pray today as we look at this passage of Scripture, Lord, that our hearts and minds would be open to see that goodness and to just sit and rest for just a few moments and how good you really are to us and how you really, truly take care of us, even though we may not even see it in some ways, God. You're always providing for us. You're always taking care of us. You're always going before us. And God, we thank you for that, and we praise you for that today. And Lord, I pray that as we look at this passage today, God, that I would decrease, I pray that you would increase, and Father, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would just fill up this place. God, we thank you, we praise you, and we love you, Lord. And we ask all these things in your precious and holy and matchless name. Amen. I told Scott just a little bit ago, for the last several weeks, God just continued to bring me back to Psalm 23. And the more I began to think about Psalm 23, the more the realization hit me that most of the sermons that I've ever heard preached on Psalm 23 were, were when? Just anybody take guess? Funerals, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty common thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very familiar text, and what's, what's sad about Psalm 23 is that even a lost person could quote Psalm 23. But how sad is it to know Psalm 23 but not know the shepherd that's in Psalm 23? And so for just a few minutes this morning, I want us to take a few seconds to look at these first three verses and begin to think about how practical this psalm is for everyday life. I was amazed because I was reading about John Piper who said that he, when he was studying in Germany, he would ride his bicycle back and forth to class. And he said each and every day while he was riding his bicycle back and forth to class, he would quote this psalm to himself. And he said this psalm got him through some very tough times in his life. And so that's what I want to encourage you with this morning is just to get you to think for just a few minutes about what you have in your good shepherd and how you don't need anything else. Now we spend a lot of time chasing after and seeking after and wanting other things in this life, but everything we need is in Psalm 23. You know, I think if we were to be gut-level honest this morning, the question that burns at all of our hearts over and over and over again is just simply this. I want to know that things are going to be okay. You students that are here right now, maybe you've just started your time at Fruitland, and you want to know that when I finish up at Fruitland, are things going to be okay? You may be married and you may say, well, you know, I just want to know that things in my marriage are going to be okay. I just want to know that my kids are going to be okay. I just want to know that my church is going to be okay. I just want to know that I'm going to be okay. Well, Psalm 23 reminds us and shows us clearly that through God, it's all going to be okay. So let's take just a few minutes this morning and be reminded of what it looks like to be safe in the shepherd's arms. Now, there are two things that we're going to see in this text. Like I said, I'm only going to look at the first three verses. I wish I could could do the whole thing, but we'd be here a long time. So the first three verses of Psalm 23, very familiar first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So the first thing I want us to think about this morning is what the shepherd provides. What the shepherd provides. Now, 
typically in this verse, our minds automatically go towards the shepherd. But I want you to think about what David is saying about himself here first and foremost. David is making a concession in this first statement. He's making it very clear how desperate he really is. Because think about it. Here is King David, the man after God's own heart, who likens himself to a sheep who needs a shepherd. Now, what do we know about sheep? They're the smartest animals on the planet, right? I mean, really smart. They don't need any guidance. They don't need any direction or anything. The, it was funny. I asked this question to my church a few weeks ago, and I mean, like, the overwhelming response I got is, they're dumb. You know, I mean, everybody just said that really, really loud. So David is making that statement about himself. He is saying right here, look, not only is he my shepherd, but I'm a sheep who desperately needs leadership. I desperately need someone to guide me in my life. Now, how fascinating is it that all the way through the Bible, we are compared to sheep? Like I said, when you think about what you read about sheep, what you study about sheep, it, is, it is, never ceases to amaze me at how much like sheep we really are. But here David is making the statement, the Lord is my shepherd. He's saying, I'm a sheep in need of a shepherd. But notice that second part of that phrase, he calls him my shepherd. My shepherd. Now there's a difference in saying the Lord is a shepherd and saying the Lord is my shepherd. There is a difference in just calling him a shepherd and saying he's my shepherd. And that's exactly what David is doing right here. And so you have to ask yourself that question this morning. And I know where I am. I mean, I know I'm in Fruitland Baptist Bible Institute, but you need to ask yourself this question today. Is he my shepherd? Can I say without a shadow of a doubt that he is my shepherd, that he is leading me? Because you see, sometimes people get really good at quoting cliches, but they've never really had a heart change. And in order for you to be able to say he's my shepherd, you have to be able to say my heart has been changed by him. I have submitted myself to his leadership. Now, David makes this statement in the second part of the verse, he says, I shall not want. Or it could be translated, I have everything I need. Now what amazes me about this particular verse and this part of this verse is how often when we think about that statement, I shall not want or I have everything I need, our mind immediately goes towards what? Material things. Well, I've got a house, I've got a car, I've got food, I've got all these things, so I guess you know, I don't, I don't want for anything. Let me ask you this question this morning. What is your greatest need? Above homes and food and vehicles and all of these other things. What is your greatest need on the planet? Your greatest need is for a Savior. Your greatest need is for forgiveness. Your greatest need is to be made right with God. And so what he's saying right here is, in my good shepherd, I have everything that I need. He's taken care of it all. I have been taken care of by him. He has met my greatest. David is saying right here, my soul is satisfied in my shepherd. My soul is satisfied in my Lord. And that's the question that you will be faced with for the rest of your life. Can you be satisfied with God and God alone? Can you be satisfied with God and nothing else? And that's what David is saying right here. My soul wants for nothing because the Lord is my shepherd. You see, there is a contentment that this statement brings. Because he knows, as a sheep who is desperately in need of a shepherd, that shepherd provides for him. He knows that without a shadow of a doubt, he can trust his shepherd. You see, any shepherd that was worth anything would know his sheep. He would know which ones were the weaker sheep. 
He would know which ones were those that were prone to wander off. He would know those sheep that he could trust, those that he might be able to turn his back on for a few minutes and tend to the others. He would know every single thing about those sheep. And so the same thing holds true for us in our lives. Your shepherd knows you, and he knows you better than anybody else on this planet. And so what you have to find yourself saying is that I'm going to be satisfied in whatever he gives me. I'm going to be satisfied in each and every thing that my God provides. You see, he knows us better and he can provide the things that we need in the moment that we need them the most. And I'm not talking about physical things. I'm talking about something like encouragement. I can't tell you how many times, and those that are pastors in this room are going to know what I'm talking about, I've walked into my office on a Monday morning ready to quit. Mondays are brutal. I mean, they're just rough. Because, I mean, you have poured every ounce of who you are into Sunday. And you've gone nonstop for, you know, 900 miles an hour all day long. And you walk into that office and you're just at the point in your life that you're saying, Lord, I just need something. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat down in my office on Monday morning needing something. And I get a text message. Or I get an email. Or I get a phone call. Or someone stops by the office and they said, hey, pastor, I just want to encourage you. I just want to say thank you for your sermon. I want to tell you how my life has been changed by Christ. He provides the things that we need. And you see, you never get beyond needing these type of things, ever. I was fascinated a couple of weeks ago. Me and my wife went to the Cove for a pastors and wives thing. And Dr. James Merritt led that. And he shared a story that just absolutely blew my mind. He said that he had so wanted to go see Dr. Graham. This has been several years ago. And he said, he, he said, I thought, man, I've got to go see him. I've got to go see Dr. Graham while I'm up there. And so, because he said, there's some things that I want to share with him that people have shared with me. And so he made several phone calls. They said, well, his, his health's okay, but, you know, maybe you can get 10, 15 minutes with him. Maybe you can visit with him for a little while. Just we'll see if we can make it work. He says he gets up there. He's able to go in. He gets like 15 minutes with Billy Graham. And he says, Dr. Graham, I just want to tell you, he said, what your ministry has meant to the people in my congregation. And he said, he, he said, I just started sharing stories of the different people and the different things that they had told me and about how their lives had been changed when they were somewhere and, you know, the TV was on, a Billy Graham crusade was on, and they heard the message. And he said he shared all of these things with him. And he, he, he said, I left. And he said, a few hours later, he said, his daughter came up to me and she says, what in the world did you say to my dad? And he said, well, I just shared with him a few stories about, you know, the people had shared with me. She said, he has been on top of the world all day long. He said, really, why? She said, because he was sitting. Now, guys, let this sink in. This is Billy Graham. She said he was sitting in his study earlier that morning asking himself the question, have I ever made a difference? He had a need. And God the shepherd provided the need. He'll provide every single thing you need. So I want to encourage you today, if you don't know him as your shepherd, don't leave this place until you can call him your shepherd. But just think about the power of that statement. I have everything I need in him. But the second thing that we see in this passage of Scripture is how the shepherd guides. Now, you look at the first part of verse 2, I think we typically skip ahead to the green pastures. But I want you to look at the first phrase there. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Do not skip that first phrase. He makes me. You see, sheep, a lot of times, in order to digest their food properly, had to lay down after they would eat. And 
Sometimes, bless their hearts, they're just not smart enough to know that. So they would eat, and then they would walk around, and the shepherd would have to come over and make them lie down in order for their food to digest properly. He'd have to force them down, essentially. Sometimes God has to do us the exact same way. We start going 100 miles an hour. We start getting involved in this and this and that. And sometimes God has to come along beside of us and say, okay, I'm going to make you lie down for a little bit. I'm going to make you lie down, and I'm going to make you see what you have around you. Sometimes we have to be made to lie down. But then don't miss that, the beauty of that position there of just lying down. Because a lot of people just want to graze the blessings of God and move on. They just want to take a bite and move on to something else. Sometimes God has to come alongside of us and make us lie down, get us in the position in which we can only look up in order that we may see the greatness and the goodness of the blessings that he has provided. How many times when you stop for just five minutes and begin to count your blessings, does that not change your perspective on life? We spend most of our days saying, I don't have this, and I don't have this, and I need this, and i got to have that. i got to be in this church. i got to have this position. If I had this fixed and that fixed, everything would be good. Guys, take a moment and look around you. Take a moment and think of the blessings that God has provided for you. He has overwhelmingly blessed you. And sometimes he's got to make you lie down to see them. Sometimes he has to make you lie down to realize they're there. Because like I said, don't just graze and move on, but stop and appreciate what God has provided for you. Now, when you study about how sheep were and how you know, fickle they are when it comes to lying down, I was, was reading just part of a book by Philip Keller, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, pretty popular book. But he makes this statement about sheep, and I, th this just also fascinated me. He says, because they are timid, they will not lie down if they are afraid. Because they are social animals, they will not lie down if there is friction among the sheep. If there are flies or parasites troubling them, they will not lie down. Finally, if sheep are anxious about food or hungry, they will not lie down. Rest only comes, don't miss this part, rest only comes because the shepherd has dealt with fear, friction, flies, and famine. Rest only comes because the shepherd has taken care of those things. Because he has wiped all of those things out. And then and only then can the sheep be able to rest. And you see, the same thing is so true in our lives. I mean, how many times are we anxious? Are we fearful? Are we scared? Are we worrying? Are we terrified of all these other things? But we have to be reminded that our shepherd has already defeated every single one of those things. He's crushed the head of your enemy. He has crushed the head of the one who distracts you, who tries to get you off track. So brothers and sisters, this morning you can rest. You can rest because of what he's done, because of what he has given you. Jesus said this in John 10, 7. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And when you think about that image, the shepherd would lie down in the doorway. He would bring all of the sheep into the sheepfold and he would lie down in the doorway. And he'd say, there's nothing getting in or nothing getting out unless it goes through me. That's what your shepherd has done for you. We can rest because he's already defeated all of our enemies. We can rest because he's handled every little thing that would trip us up. Every little thing that would defeat us, he has already wiped them out. Then notice what it says after that. He leads me beside the still waters. Don't miss the fact that the good shepherd leads. 
God leads you. The enemy will drive you. God leads you. And so he says right here, he leads me beside the still waters. Now, I want you to think about this, and this is what God really burned in my own heart just the past few weeks. The sheep did not need to see the green pastures. They didn't didn't need to see the green pastures. The sheep did not need to see the still waters. The sheep only needed to see the shepherd. And I think a lot of times, more often than not, in our lives, we think, i got to see something else. i got to see where you're taking me, Lord. i got to see where you're leading me. i got to see the next step. i got to see how all this is going to work out. God, you've got to show me. Folks, you don't need to see anything except the shepherd today. You only need to see him. And when you fasten your eyes on the shepherd, when you lock in on him, everything else fades away. Everything else is gone. You just need to see the shepherd. Don't find yourself getting wrapped up in where the green pastures are or where the still waters are. Just say, look, I just need to see my shepherd and I need to trust that he's going to get me there. When we were in seminary, I moved to Southern Seminary. Dr. Thompson talked about this a moment ago. I used every bit of the money we had and I knew I had enough money for one year. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money saved. You know, we just, we just didn't. We didn't make a whole lot of money, so we didn't have a lot saved. But we had some saved, and we took every bit that we had saved, and I knew I could last one year up there. We got to long about March, and I had no idea how I was going to get to the next year. No idea how I was going to pay my tuition. No idea how I was going to buy books. No idea how any of this was going to work out. And we were praying, and, you know, I just had this thought in my mind. I kept saying, okay, God, you led us up here, and surely you didn't lead us up here for one year. But maybe you did, but surely you've, you've brought me here, God. Surely you can provide. And I prayed, and my wife prayed, just day in and day. We're like, Lord, show us something. God, reveal something to us. And one day I went to the mailbox. And I know what you're thinking. He went to the mailbox, and he opened it up, and there was a check. That's not the way this story goes. But I go to the mailbox... And there's a guy about four boxes down from me, you know, opening up his box. And just being friendly, being a Christian brother, I said, hey, man, how are you? He says, I'm good, how are you? And we start talking. We'll come to find out we're from the same hometown, essentially. I mean, I'm from Mars Hill, but he was from Asheville. But now this is where it even gets even more crazy. He had a son named Isaac. My oldest son was named Isaac. They were born in the same hospital, Mission Hospital, in Asheville, two days apart. And we're in Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm like, okay, this is just getting crazier by the minute. And, you know, he he said, how can I pray for you? And I said, well, I said, this is where we are. I said, look, I said, said, the money's about gone. And I said, I'm working, but I'm not making enough to keep us up here. I don't have any idea how in the world we're going to get through. And he looked at me and he said, have you ever heard of the Charles Kesey Foundation? And I said, no, never heard of it. He said, well, they provide scholarship money for pastors from South Carolina and North Carolina. He said, you might ought to check into it. I had like a few weeks before the deadline of that scholarship. But long story short, I I applied for that scholarship. I got it, and I was able to finish out my time because of that scholarship. Now, we could have packed it in. We could have mailed it in and left. I could have said, you know what, God? This is not going to work out, so we're just going to take off. But me and my wife made the decision. We're going to fasten our eyes on the shepherd. He provided. He provided. Not in the way that we thought he would, but he did provide. So let me ask you this question this morning. 
Do you have your eyes on the shepherd? Are you worried about the green pastures? Are you worried about the still waters? Are you focusing on him? I love verse 3. Because I want you to notice the first phrase in there. He restores my soul. This word restores here gives us the image of one who has wandered away that is being brought back. One who has drifted off and being brought back in. You know, it, it kind of really ties in with the image that, you know, the parable that Jesus told about the 90 and 90. Left the 99, went after the one. It's kind of like the image of him going to get that one. And so he restores our soul. Literally means that he brings our souls back to where they were before. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but, and maybe you never deal with this, but how often do you walk through a spiritual valley? How, you know, when you meet these people that are just always like, man, every day is just sweeter than the day before, you have to have some questions for those folks, don't you? Are you living in the same world I'm living in? All of us at one point or another are going to walk through a valley. All of us at some point are going to walk through a difficult time. We're going to have times that, that life throws us a curveball, that something happens that we're not expecting. And when those things happen, it takes us down a dark pathway. I mean, we find ourselves hurting. We find ourselves alone. We find ourselves in the dark. And we're thinking, how in the world am I going to get through this? How in the world am I going to find myself being able to once again worship God, being once again able to even pray? Because when these times happen, sometimes we feel like our prayers don't even get past the ceiling. Sometimes we feel like we're not even able to make it. One more step or one more day. That's where the beauty of verse 3 comes in. He restores my soul. Nothing that I can do except cast myself on Him. Nothing that I can do except trust Him, except give it all to Him. And then realize that at some point, in some way, somehow, He is going to bring restoration to my soul that has been broken. There's nothing like coming home, is there? I know when, when we lived in Kentucky and we'd come back to North Carolina, we'd get in the mountains, we'd roll the windows down, you know, and just, ah, mountain air, you know, because, I mean, we lived in the middle of Louisville, Kentucky, in the middle of the city. So, I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a mountain boy, and so it was like, man, I could roll the windows down and think, that smells like home. I mean, it was good. There's nothing like coming home. We've got a sweet, sweet man in our church who for 17 years wandered away from the Lord. And he said he'll never for the rest of his life forget the day that he came home. He'll never forget the day that God restored his soul. He'll never forget the day that God just brought him back into the fold. And what, I, what I'm trying to get across this morning is that wherever you are, whatever you're walking through, he'll restore your soul. He will enable you at some point to lift your hands and worship again. He will enable you to feel like your prayers are getting through again. He will enable you to find strength that you didn't know was there once again. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Now, this, this is a great statement here because this, these paths of righteousness, it's better translated a well-worn path of righteousness. What happens to the sheep when they go out on their own? It's not good. But he says, if you trust God, if you go with God, he's going to lead you to those paths of righteousness. He's going to lead you where you need to be. Again, it's all about trusting the shepherd. But look at the last phrase in the verse. For his name's sake. You see, the key to this entire psalm is to realize that all you need is God. 
You don't, you, you don't need anything else. He's given you that. He's given you himself. Because it starts with, I shall not want. And you end in verse 6, dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. So he takes care of everything. He lets you know that it's going to be okay. But he leads you and he provides for you and he does all these things for you. Why? So that you can stand up somewhere and say, hey, look at me, look how super spiritual I am. He does these things so that you will do it for his name's sake. So that you will glorify him. So you will take every single opportunity you have to say, look at what my shepherd has done. Look at how my shepherd has provided. Look at what my shepherd has given me in my life. So that you will deflect everything back to him and not make it about you. I read a fascinating story about a missionary lady in India, and her son was also a missionary, and he had gone to visit his mom, who had been on the mission field for years, had not seen her. He said it had been several years since he had seen her, so he said, he said, he said when I got there, he said, I was kind of struck by her appearance, because he said, the last time I saw my mom, he said she was young and vibrant and, and just glowing and, you know, and all these other things, and he said, now I see her, and he said, her face is kind of cracked. He said she's kind of hunched over a little bit, and she walks much slower than she used to. And he said, I began to ask her all these questions about all these things that had happened, and she began to share with me story on top of story about how God had blessed her and God had taken care of her. And he said, but then, then I began to notice something as I walked through her house. There's not a single mirror in her house at all. None. And he said, I thought, man, I don't know a woman in my life that doesn't have at least one mirror. But he said she didn't have a single mirror in that house and then he said it dawned on me her life was the mirror the way that she lived was the mirror and he said what was reflected in her life was the glory of God and the majesty of God and the grace of God and the blessing of God and how God had taken care of her and used her in this small group of people year after year after year what does your life reflect? What does your life show? One of the greatest traps, easiest traps for us to fall into in ministry is making it about us. It's difficult. Because you've got people coming up to you all the time, right? Saying, great job, good job, I appreciate that. And, and somewhere along the way, you know, we kind of start to let that settle in a little bit. And we say it's not about us, but we like it when it is about us. Listen, when you go back to verse 1 and you remember every single thing you need, every single thing you have has been provided from Him, and He's given you all of these things for one express purpose so that His name might be made big, how in the world can we ever take the credit for anything? We don't have a single thing. We can't say, look at me, look at what I've done. You've done nothing. I was thinking on the way up here this morning, the only way that I'm able to stand up here and preach to you today is because God himself has breathed life into me. The only way I can even be here, I mean, I, I can't explain how I got to Fruitland, except God did it. I can't explain how I got to South Carolina, except God did it. So when people ask me, how did that happen? I have to say, it was him. And your life is going to be a lifelong consistent practice of you asking yourself, who exactly is getting the glory here, me or God? Because there's a hunger inside of us for glory. For some reason, we want it. But we have to kill that. 
Because every single thing about our lives should reflect His glory and His greatness and His majesty. It's about submission. It's about humility. It's about dependence. All on the shepherd. Not on you. So let me ask you this morning. Number one, do you know the shepherd? Can you say, he is my shepherd? Number two, are you willing to say, just like King David, I'm like a sheep. I can't figure this thing out. I can't, I don't have any idea where I'm supposed to go. I just got to look at the shepherd. I've got to fix my eyes on him. You know where you are today. But maybe, just maybe, you've forgotten that he wants you to lie down in those green pastures. He wants to lead you beside those still waters. Maybe you've forgotten the blessings that are there. Look, take a minute, lie down, and look around you. And you'll find you're way, way more blessed than you realize. Do you know the good shepherd? And are you safe in the shepherd's arms? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we are can't even find the words to express how grateful we are to you. How we are absolutely nothing and you are everything. And God, I pray this morning that every person in this room is dependent and relying on and trusting in the shepherd. I pray, God, that they know what it's like to lie down in those green pastures. I pray, God, that they know what it's like to have their soul restored by you. God, I pray this morning that you'll be with every student here. Lord, I know that a lot of them are dealing with different things. I know that there are some that couldn't be here today because of, because of issues that they're dealing with. And God, I pray that you'll bless and work in each and every one of those situations. Lord, I pray for this school. Lord, I thank you so much for this school. I thank you for, for Dr. Horton. I thank you for Dr. Thompson. And Lord, I thank you for the men that I get to serve with each and every week and how they feed my soul. God, I pray that you'll bless each one of them and every single one that's preaching and sharing your word this weekend. God, I pray that you'll bless them and help them. And God, we pray that we'll go into this next class period, Lord, looking to just bring honor and glory to you in all that we do. And we ask all these things in your precious and holy and matchless name. Amen.